Hello there. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Beyond Distribution with GTDC Podcast. Frank Tagliano leads a discussion today with Daniel Newman, who is the founding partner and principal analyst of Futurum Research and best-selling author. Daniel shares with us his thoughts on what's happening in the IT supply chain and the role technology can play in driving productivity during these uncertain times. Listen and enjoy, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you. Welcome to uh, our GTDC podcast series, and I'm delighted today to have uh, Daniel Newman with us, who's the founding partner and principal analyst of Futurum Research. Uh, many of you may know that um, we recently partnered with Futurum to put a series together of um, supply chain updates, supply chain uh, information. Uh, we've posted one so far, we've got the second one coming and the feedback so far has been really good. So Daniel, welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, Frank, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. It's been excellent to learn more about your organization. Such an interesting time in the market, so many different forces at play. And hopefully this program and the stuff we're working on together is going to become instrumental in helping the leaders and executives as part of your organization and making decisions about their business. Yeah, well, I'll tell you that, you know, we had a board meeting yesterday with the leaders of, um, you know, really probably the top 15 global distributors. Uh, we've got, you know, 22, 23 members. Um, they represent well over $200 billion of, of IT sales. And uh, it was a good conversation uh, and, and it's been very well received. So tell me a little bit about, before we get going, just you know, a little bit of background yourself and Futurum um, as we get started. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the founding partner and principal analyst of Futurum Research. We founded the firm um, a little, about six years ago. We are the fastest growing independent research firm on the planet. We have about 30 people in our organization, but we are in the middle of a few different uh, growth initiatives in organic that will be making us larger in the time to come. We focus very diversely across tech. Some analysts focus on one specific technology. We definitely focus more on the seculars uh, all the way across. We say from chips to SaaS. Uh, we work with over 130 uh, high-tech companies right now, including most of the biggest names you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and, and beyond. I have great relationships with them. Personally, I'm a seven-time best-selling author. My most recent book called Human Machine, where I looked into the future of AI and automation, how it's going to impact work, a very important topic right now. Um, I'm also a contributor on MarketWatch and Forbes, uh, a regular on CNBC, Bloomberg, Yahoo Finance, did 100 TV appearances, was the most cited industry analyst in the world last year, and uh, I'm thrilled to be partnering with GTDC. Yeah, well, that's great. And um, well, look, you and I got acquainted when I saw you present uh, last October at the Bob Conference, which was a big channel company event uh, in, I think it was Atlanta. It and was. Yeah, and um, when the request came from our members to do some work on supply chain, I remembered that presentation because at the time I and I told people this, it was you gave what I thought was the best uh, overview of why we're in the supply chain situation that we seem to have gotten ourselves into, and you know what we could do to get out of it. So if you don't mind, if you don't, if you you know spend a second. Give us your perspective on kind of what has happened, and then we'll talk about what is happening and what's going to happen. Yeah, I'll give you a, a quick 
a response to this. And first, I'll also give you a couple links that you can share with everyone because I've written some pieces on MarketWatch Forbes and was also part of CNBC's roundup on kind of the best explanations of what happened with the supply chain. But the long story short was we really had an unprecedented situation. And in the immediacy of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic, the immediate response by most of the market was that we were going to have a massive recession and that the market was going to crash. And what happened was is companies largely decided to cut production, slow production, or basically get out of production altogether. The automotive industry is a great example. The immediate visceral reaction of the executives in the automotive space was, well, we're going to shut down. Companies are going to go out of business. Uh, people are, people's personal balance sheets are going to fall apart. No one's going to buy cars. So they canceled large swaths of the production for key and you know small remote semiconductor parts that did everything from seat heaters and uh, electronic seat controls to radios, uh, you know to different uh, sensors for brakes and other things. A lot of lagging edge uh, lagging edge uh, process technology. So what happened though was in the in the near term they were right. The car sales did fall off in the very early part of the pandemic, but what they didn't get right was that how quickly and violently that demand was going to pick back up. They also didn't think about was when people stopped uh, being in transit, stopped going to the office, this whole remote work from home trend that created a swell of demand for uh, mobile devices. And we saw the PC become essential again. We saw companies uh, deploying more workloads, cloud workloads went through the roof, which meant all that capacity that would have been used to build other parts started being used for USB buses and controllers and different things that were needed to build more servers, to build more PCs, to build... So the automotive manufacturers got out of line. And so when a manufacturer, a, a, a fab switches from one process to another or one manufacturer to another, they basically have to reconfigure all the tooling, all the tooling. And then therefore, when these companies came back and in June and July of 20, when all of a sudden that demand came roaring back, you know, all the, the fabs said, well, we're at capacity. We don't have the capacity. We can't get you back to the front of the line. So, you know, you ended up seeing uh, parking lots full of F-150s that were incomplete because they were missing one or two semiconductors. And effectively what had happened was not fully understanding the impact of this unprecedented event caused certain companies to get extraordinary growth. You know, most of the PC, uh, mobile device, AI, data center server, and saw some of the, the lagging technologies, you know, like automotive, fell to the back of the line and it created this huge uh issue in the supply chain which by the way two plus years later yeah is still not reconciled yeah 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 and that's that yeah that's a great that's a great way to kind of highlight what happened because most of us watching it kind of know pieces of it but you've kind of just pulled it all together really well so here we are now and obviously we're dealing with some really significant significant macro environmental stuff, right? And in the latest report that you gave us that we'll be publishing here on our site in the next day or two, you kind of outline those. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about what you're seeing from a macro standpoint that obviously is contributing to the issues we're having. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my team and I assemble this. Uh, we've got some great analysts on our team um, and, you know, as I kind of put this together and finalize and put my touches on it, I think there's the one overarching thing that everybody's thinking about right now, and that's a recession. You know, comments right now are creating um, 
visceral and violent responses from the market. We saw Bill McDermott, all you're probably familiar, CEO of ServiceNow, talked about potential slowing of sales pipeline in Europe due to the strength of the dollar, and it caused the stock to collapse over 10%. Um, you know, not two weeks ago did I write a, a piece that talked about how we need to technology our way out of this whole situation, which means investment in servers, data center, networking, storage, memory, and of course, automation, AI, um, 5G. It's gonna be a more connected, more data-driven environment that's gonna enable companies to operate and act and, and function in more efficient ways. They're gonna be able to stop some of CapEx spending, slow, you know, we're seeing hiring freezes across the industry right now. Companies are slowing down hiring, but that doesn't mean they wanna slow down productivity. You still got a lot of record backlogs, so what are companies doing? Well, they're trying to figure out how to do more with less. And so in order to do more with less, the answer is going to be technology. And so companies are trying to figure out how do we use all our data, implement processes, automate things, and then at the same time, keep morale high. Well, right now is kind of this great cutoff moment for a lot of these companies. You know, you're going to see earnings guided down for the first time in a while. You're going to see, I, I call it like the great market reset. And while the market itself is only a a, a microcosm of the entire business climate and condition of your companies or any of these vendors you work with or their clients and your clients, in the long run, the market always drives. It's the forward looking of what is happening in the world. So, you know, we we saw really the market started, uh, you know, capitulating around tech and growth six, seven months ago. Um, we've seen it sort of level off, but inflation has been roaring. Uh, we've got the ongoing war. We've still got all these supply chain issues. It appears we're going to have a two-sided recession of supply and demand um, coming together because the only real blunt force tool the Fed has is to destroy demand. And once they destroy demand, all this uh, extra capacity in the manufacturing we've created, even though we haven't created enough long term, um, is going to create a supply side issue. And so you got a lot of things kind of, you know, if you're, you know, you talk about the pinball bouncing around our brains right now about what's going to happen. But the good news that I really say to the, the, the tech industry and to, the, 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 to you as distributors is that the tech uh, market for enterprise, I think, is going to prove to be more robust. So despite a lot of these concerns, I think if, if you're heavily weighted to consumer and discretionary uh, peripherals, PCs, you're probably going to be in a tougher situation over the next two years than if you're saying, hey, we do a lot of data center, we do storage, we do network, we do edge, we do AI because that's where companies are gonna to look to pour in investment. You hire less people, you buy less laptops, but you don't necessarily slow down your, your, your cloud migration strategies, your CapEx to OpEx migration. So those are the things that are happening. And that's sort of the at large. Some catalysts for better situations, Frank, I think if we can get a resolution in Russia and Ukraine, I think that could be a catalyst to see a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a relief rally. I don't think it actually fixes most of inflation, but if we can bring gas prices down, um, that is one of the things I think people feel most in their wallets. You know, you see a 9.1 print on CPI. I think most of us would, would try to figure out how we're not at 20 or 30 with most of the things we buy every day with groceries, homes, cars, uh, and gas, you know, being at rent at the top of our mind. Um, with the pr producer index up over double digits again this quarter, you're seeing, um, you know, you're also seeing unemployment uh, numbers jump this week. So while the overall in arrears was, 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 was down, the looking forward is up. So just a lot of factors, a lot of things happening, but I still think, and I agree, Bill McDermott and I had a conversation and we basically said, we're gonna tech our way out of it. So up to the companies out there, how do you deliver solutions that help companies be problem solvers for a tougher market that lies ahead? Yeah, 
So, and that, and that makes a ton of sense. Now, there's also some things happening in the market uh, or in the environment that, uh, you know, where I think you can get help from the government. So obviously, for example, in Europe, they got, you know, the next gen EU funding that's, that's been put in place. And of course, you, you know, talked to me about and have talked to our readers about uh, in the last report you sent us, the CHIPS Act here in the U.S. that, you know, needs to be passed. So what are some of the sort of, you know, external stimulus things that could be done that could help us here? And what's your view on, you know, you know, for example, why is the CHIPS Act just stalled? Uh, you yeah. know, so, so I think that's it's a great question, Frank. I think it's pretty well understood, but I think if you're not following all the policy discussions and hopefully people that are tuning into this, um, that, you know, we can be a bit of a cliff notes because, you know, if you're like me, your head's down working, unfortunately, this is what I have to pay attention to. Um, the stimulus as a whole is going to come to a, a big slow, period, okay? It's a bipartisan understanding that we have to slow. You know, we saw the Build Back Better Act fizzle as inflation rose. You know, companies just basically, the, the, the government basically just said, we cannot pump trillions more dollars into the economy. That, by the way, is part of why all that demand swelled is because there was all this money flying around that, you know, people wouldn't ordinarily have had. And that's why they're buying cars uh, <laughs> at yeah. these record paces. But having said that, the one big uh, bill that is out there that now, even as recently as today, is getting some life in it is the CHIPS Act. Um, it is the most widely supported bipartisan bill that's running through the House and the Senate right now. It's passed in both chambers, but it hasn't been able to be reconciled. And why? Well, it's because politicians are being politicians. They're trying to, now that they know it's bipartisan, they know it's going to get support, they're all shoving pork in the bill. I mean, that's the, the long and the short. And of course, nobody agrees on what the pork should be because you got, you know, left pork, right pork. And the only thing that most center agrees is that we should have no pork. Let's pass the bill because we've got a problem in this country. So some quick facts. I think I might even put this in the last newsletter, but, you know, we've got uh, an issue with technology leadership and national security that's brewing in the CHIPS Act and help us solve that problem. We need to add capacity here in the U.S. We need to return a percentage of leading edge and lagging edge. Because like you said, lagging has been a big problem in the overall semiconductor shortage. Um, we also need to invest in R&D and innovation and making sure that intellectual property that is created here stays here. You know, we've got national treasures like Qualcomm uh, that are creating intellectual property for 4G, 5G, and soon to be 6G um, that, you know, we do not want to risk um, our designs here in the U.S. and research uh, in the U.S. being, you know, basically, uh, distributed for no value in East Asia or across Asia, we need to make sure that intellectual property is protected. And again, that's within the laws. We're not saying that others shouldn't innovate. We hope others innovate and we hope for competition that drives innovation. Um, and, and with all that in mind, you know, we need to build the fabs. We need to get more production here. We need to have more resiliency in the supply chain. And we need to, again, protect ourselves here in the U.S. as tech leaders. That's for military that's for economic purposes and so the chips act is uh possibly going to get moved forward it sounds like the two chambers are trying to basically say let's take all the pork out of it and just pass the bill as it stands and then we can get the ohio fabs in process texas arizona new mexico get those investments going it's going to take two to three years but we can start to you know build a little bit of resiliency but other than that i don't see much stimulus frank coming uh into the market right now. We've seen some of the college debt forgiveness ones. 
Don't think that's going to really inter- impact the enterprise very much. But I just think the government has come to realize like one is, you know, we're going to be in a situation where the government's going to have a hard time paying its bills if the interest rates keep rising at such a, such a fast pace. And secondly, um, we've got too much liquidity to drive out of the market right now. We need to taper, which we're doing, and we're needing to raise rates. But we don't want to, you know, again, I'm not, on the, I'm not of the school that, hey, we should raise rates so much that we destroy the housing market, destroy the asset bubble, destroy equities. We need to have a, you know, we really need to be shooting for a soft landing, but it's becoming increasingly less likely that that will happen. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, look, I know um, we've got a bit of a time constraint. So let me ask you sort of one, one last question. And I guess it's tied to all of this, Daniel. And it's, it's part of the sort of the reordering of the supply chain, right? Because one of the sort of, you know, issues that you mentioned earlier is, you know, we're at great risk with all the production, you know, outside of any control that, you know, in, that, that companies either in the United States or even in some, some degrees in Europe have. Um, and you, you know, you talked a little bit about that, but what's the impact going forward of sort of reordering that? And, and how do you see that playing out over the next couple of years? You're saying, um, just to be clear, the impact of reordering where the chips are manufactured? Yeah, exactly. The whole, you know, dependence on, on you know, the, the current manufacturing locations and kind of what we're dealing with today, which has contributed clearly to the problem. Yeah, the, the most ambitious is trying to get to parity with Asia. There's nobody suggesting anything more aggressive than that. You know, like I said, right now, China has something around 40 manufacturing projects in the works. Taiwan has 20, the United States has five in the works. Uh, China is increasing tooling, uh, high, high single digit percentage. Uh, the US tooling investment has gone backwards. Um, so right now all indicators are, we're, we're, you know, it's, we're just trying to play catch up to have an even meaningful ability to yield chips here in the US. Um, so the starting point I think is getting back to even where we were a few decades ago where it was something, you know, when we were in the, uh, 30 percentages of total production. And of course, we need to get some yield of leading edge here, having zero at the leading edge. I mean, can you imagine if something geopolitically did happen with Taiwan and we couldn't get the chips we need to make phones or to make computers or, of course, to run our data centers? Um, it's, it's shocking to me. I guess it's a combination of confidence with our policymakers that that won't happen. And it's a um, massive liability that people really should care about. Um, unfortunately, when you're watching TikToks all day long, sometimes you don't realize that there's stuff happening in the world. So people need to read a little bit more. But all, all sarcasm aside, um, the reordering is going to be gradual. It's going to be uh, material, but not massive. And I think over time, like I said, trying to get to 10, 20% of, of manufacturing out of Taiwan um, and out of China and out of Asia is going to be there for nothing more than starting getting us over the emergency hurdle. And then in some time, maybe bringing back jobs, bringing back growth, bringing back innovation here to the U.S. Because we've realized, you know, like so many other cycles, you go cloud to edge, back to cloud to edge, back to mainframe. To, and what I'm saying is we rotate back and forth. The rotation from all offshoring and all outsourcing to something more balanced, you know, it's kind of like how we've all landed on hybrid cloud. It's not going to all go to the public. It's not all going to stay on prem. And we can't manufacture every one of our chips in Taiwan. So, you know, we need to find balance. And that's what I'm hoping to see over the next couple of years. Effective you can provide us and you have provided us is really 
really important because it, it you've kind of given us a you know sort of a macro view, but kind of made it made it understandable. So um, and so we're gonna continue to work with you. Um, we know that you know every couple of weeks we'll publish a new report, and obviously you know things are changing really quickly and moving fast. So we're looking forward to continued engagement, and uh, we'll have you back at some point, maybe in you know three months from now, four months from now, and talk about what your view is there as we enter into 2023. Um, any closing thoughts, any closing comments? No, I mean, we're really uh, thrilled to be part of the organization. You, you're, what this group does is critical to the IT, to the big OEMs, and to the technology industry at large. Uh, you know, the continued growth and strategy, the shifts to services and consumption, the things you're building are going to be um, continue to be a big role and those that are, are, are innovating and shifting will continue to be really, really a big part of a growing IT ecosystem. I do know you have some events. I do hope over the next year that we can uh, work out a uh, engagement that I can make it and I can see and meet some of you in person and that we can stay out and keep going in the business, uh, basically that all of your businesses are wishing you great success. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. You you for sure will, will soon as we book our date, it'll probably be sometime in the first quarter, um, we'll for sure try to get you to come and visit with us. So thanks very much. We really appreciate it. And it was great talking with you today.